pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Tom Perumian, KTSA News. A word I've noticed is getting used a lot lately. We're just like running it into the ground is brand. Uh, to me, a brand is like Campbell Soup or, you know, Ford or something. But uh, everybody's a brand. Everything's a brand. You're a brand. Did you know that? You're a brand. And politicians have a brand. NBC had a story. Joe Biden's brand is being tested like never before. If you guys had tested it uh, earlier, he wouldn't be president now. But I'm over the term brand because it's just a way of summing up or it's a trendy way of talking about the mythology that a politician creates around himself or that his minions create around him or that the media create around him. And what they mean by Joe Biden's brand being tested is Grandpa Joe suddenly... uh, (laughs) Looks like something else. Um, Look, we shouldn't be surprised by what's coming out about Joe Biden and his family. Joe Biden has been plagiarizing other people's political speeches for 40 years. He um, basically crafted and had crafted for him this um, image that he's blue-collar, he grew up in Scranton, packs his lunch, rides the train, sits in the cheap seats. He inserts himself like Forrest Gump into every major historical event uh, of his lifetime. He's a pioneer of gay marriage. He was in the civil rights movement. He, uh, you know, he he was arrested with Nelson Mandela. I'm surprised he hasn't put himself at the Gdansk shipyard with Lech Valenza, but he probably will. He repeatedly, serially has lied about the the admittedly very tragic uh, death of his first wife and child, calling the driver a drunk, which is not true and not necessary. He lies about his son Bo's death, and that lie has gotten bigger like a fishtail. Uh, Bo Biden is practically, you know, Audie Murphy at this point. He refused to acknowledge the existence of one of his own granddaughters, and then suddenly on a Friday night, the White House put out a statement saying, oh, yeah, okay. And the best spin you could possibly put on what we're learning now is that he allowed members of his family to take in millions of dollars in unreported income from nations that are enemies of ours, owing to his name, parlaying his position in government. And that's the best thing you can say about it, is that he he benignly allowed but did not participate in uh, you know, these activities. So his brand is about a made-up biography, a made-up story, 
And now people are noticing. That's what NBC means when they say his brand is being tested. And he's having kind of a Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light moment, right? Because now all of a sudden, here's Hunter Biden. And Hunter Biden is a guy that we used to think was just a fried weirdo. You know, he was strung out, he was sex addicted, he was porn addled, he took his laptop with him everywhere he went like he was 12 years old and put everything on it. I mean, what, what grown-up does that? I mean, if you're, even if you're living the life Hunter Biden is, you don't document it like you're making, a, like you're making a, a History Channel special, but this guy did. He put everything on there. And then he left it behind and somebody found it. And now the whole world has seen it. So we used to think Hunter Biden is just an F-up. But now we find out that we had him wrong. Hunter Biden is, as it turns out, very good, very skilled at what we call influence peddling. Hooking things up, making deals. This guy's traveling all around the world. It's like John Kerry with bad hair. He's whining and dining in all the foreign capitals. He's setting up shell companies. You know, the way Hunter Biden acts is the way Democrats usually describe Republicans. Just greedy and sneaky and evading taxes and breaking the law and getting away with it and living the high life and not caring. But you got to admit, the guy is on to something. I've been wondering lately, how did he learn to do all this? He's never been in politics. He was never in Congress or held political office. I, I, I don't want to get out over my skis, but it seems likely he learned all this from being around his dad, which probably means either his dad or other people around his dad were also doing these things back when Hunter was still, uh, you know, getting his adult teeth. So we've gone from Hunter's just, oh, you know, he's just the drug-addicted son of the president and every family has one, which is a weird thing to say, right? Every family has one? But now we're seeing that this is a guy, according to the IRS whistleblowers, who was being investigated by the IRS until that was impeded. This is the guy who almost got the plea bargain until the judge sniffed it out. Uh, this is the guy who Devin Archer is talking about setting up phone calls with Joe Biden, Burisma, China, etc., and still, there are some in the media that are referring to Hunter Biden as the president's son, his, you know, troubled, uh, surviving son. He's 53 years old. Not like uh, Ferris Bueller got in trouble, you know? And that's the thing about brands. When they're all image and smoke and mirrors, they're easily dispelled. And I think what's happening right now is... The Biden image, which was there was never really much to it, and it was carefully crafted most recently by the Democratic media. Now people are starting to notice this this can't be who he he he, he can't be who we've been told he is. Hunter is not who we were told he is. Joe Biden is not who we were told he is. Just bear in mind when you see polls about the election and you see polls about Biden that a lot of people voted for him thinking he was something they now know he is not. By the way, there's a, there's a poll out from CNN 
CNN SSRI poll of 1,280 adults, 69% have doubts that Joe Biden legitimately received 81 million votes. 69%. Uh, In another recent poll, 72% doubted that Biden's electoral college victory was legitimate. 50% say it's at least somewhat likely that a future election will be flipped meaning that in a future election we will reverse it in either a legislative or court decision after the election. That's amazing to me. I never thought I'd live in, in this country, and this country would be a country that would flip an election. A majority of independents, 53%, think it is at least somewhat likely an election will be flipped, a loss will be flipped to a victory in the future. But yeah, 69% don't think Biden probably got all those votes. I, I try not to hate anybody. I try not to hate. But did you watch the the testimony of the Gold Star mothers yesterday? Uh, the And fathers, mostly mothers. But these were the folks who lost, you know, their sons in the withdrawal from Kabul. And... I hate the Joe Biden that they are describing. There is no excuse for being that vacuous, that phony, that cold. Woman after woman, parent after parent, told the story of Joe Biden trying to get sympathy from them for Bo's death instead of extending sympathy to them and there was a story um sergeant tyler vargas andrews survived the um the airport bombing that killed 13 he was grievously injured lost his right arm had numerous other injuries and while he was in the hospital He tells this story on the Sean Ryan show. President and Mrs. Biden came to visit him. Do we have that audio, Don? Can we play that? I want want you to hear this story. This dude, like two minutes later, he walks in with him and Jill Biden and their little entourage of people and like photographer. And uh, right away, like remember him coming up to me, um, trying to shake my hand, like try to shake my right hand. And I look at him, and I'm like, I don't have an arm. And my left arm is in this big-ass cast with this giant orange f***ing foam block around it. i completely immobile. All I can do is move my head. My arm's gone. I'm like, I don't have an arm. And he says, oh, and, like, kind of stands up and then, like, goes over to reach for my fingers because about an inch of my fingers are showing and just, like, grabs my fingers. Doesn't say, doesn't greet me or anything. Just that's what happened. Just grab my fingers. And uh, I was like, okay, that's weird. And, you know, almost immediately starts talking, like, about how their son served in the military. Doesn't say anything about what happened. Starts talking about how their son served in the military. And uh, my mom is just like, she's furious at this point. And they're, like, taking pictures and stuff. And uh, she goes... 
she was like, my mom said that she was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care what you guys do. She's like, you better take care of him for the rest of his life. And uh, like she said that. And um, I'm sitting there and he comes over to me and he leans over me. And I have a, I have a picture of this to prove it. I'll show you this picture that I have. Um, it's a pretty funny picture. Uh, he leans over me and he's like this close to my face. And he's like, what do you want? I said, what do you want? Yeah, he said, what do you want? And I said, what? He said, what What do you want? And I'm just like confused. And I just got blown up. I saw my friends die next to me. And I just want to be myself. And he's like, huh? And my mom's furious. And she's like, he said he just wants to be himself. He just wants to be him. He said he just wants to be me. And he goes, oh, okay. And they just continue to talk about everything but what just happened. And then... um they just ushered him out of the room. He didn't know what to say. They ushered him out of the room, and that was that. I, I'm I'm hardly one who says the right thing or knows how to say the right thing in a in a difficult situation. So I I don't I don't know that I'm judging here. I would just make an observation as a just as a bystander. We've had a lot of presidents. We've had 46 presidents. We've had all kinds of people serve as president. We've had people that served in the military, people who didn't, people that protested serving, like Bill Clinton. We've had all kinds of people. They all knew how to do this. They all knew how to do it, except this guy. What does that tell you about him? They all knew how to just be there, whether it's Walter Reed or somewhere else. They just knew. If you don't know what to say, you don't say anything. Maybe you pray. Maybe you just hug. Maybe you just say thank you. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm admittedly, I'm not good at it. But I, I think any of those things would be better than what do you want? What do you want? Well, I want a lot of things. I'm not going to have now. That's what I want. And it also makes me think, when I listen to Tyler's story, and I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, I don't think this guy's in charge of anything. I don't, I don't think he's making any decisions. We keep saying he decided this and he ordered that and his policy on it. I don't, I, he doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like there's any there there. There's so many moments, they're piling up, where people get close to him and there's no there there. I'm not talking about disagreeing or having a different view of the world. I'm, there's not, nothing there. We've had a lot of people call. Uh, they are doing, our technical team is doing maintenance work on our transmitter, and it's making the AM, the 550 signal, not sound so great. So I, I just I feel bad that we're not telling you that, and I guess we're not supposed to say it, but I'm just going to tell you. That's what's going on. It's out of our control. They're, they know about it. It's an effort to you know, improve it. But while they're working on it, it's on, we're on basically a backup system that has lower power. So with the lower power, your experience hearing it is not going to be as good. I'd recommend going to the stream if you can do that, or if you can get uh, FM 107.1, listen to us that way. And I appreciate you're trying to listen and I know it's a pain in the neck and hopefully we'll uh, take it, uh, take care of it soon. Um, The governor of Massachusetts has declared a state of emergency, not because of their weather. They're getting thunderstorms and floods. 
she's discovered uh, she's declared a state of emergency uh due to um homelessness that is uh and social services that are being overwhelmed by illegal immigrants governor mara healy today declaring a state of emergency in her sanctuary state quote due to rapid and unabating increases in the number of families with children newly arriving migrants and refugees state said there are nearly 5600 families more than 20,000 people in the state's shelter system a little background on this massachusetts passed back in the 80s a right to shelter law that said no one will be turned away from a homeless shelter everyone can get services from a shelter that was when we didn't have an illegal immigrant crisis and that was when those shelters could handle what they were getting but now they can't and so she's declared a state of emergency but think about what states of emergency are usually about they usually follow a weather event you know a flood or a hurricane and those are things that can't be prevented those are things that happen suddenly and so the state of emergency is is temporary but what we saw during covid is that states of emergency can be invoked for just about anything and then never go away there are states in this country that are still under covid emergency in 2023 and we already have governors and mara healy's one of them saying we might also need to declare a climate emergency now, one of the things she can do is ask for more federal money. New York's mayor did that, and Biden rebuffed him. So now he's out there saying, we've got to solve this problem down at the border. Thanks. Welcome to the party. But the thing about this state of emergency, and I think you're going to see more of it, I think you're going to see more mayors and governors in sanctuary cities and states doing this. These could go on for a long time. And these will involve dictatorial powers, and they'll suspend rule of law, and they'll, they'll say we've got to be able to spend money without legislative approval, and we've got to uh, do bids without competition, and we've got to buy stuff up without being... And, and the problem with it will be graft and corruption and sweetheart deals and no oversight. And then, because I'm governing under a state of emergency, you need to shut up and sit down and do what I tell you to do, we, right? We've been here before. So I'm glad they're uh, having to put up, after making all their claims about being sanctuary states and sanctuary cities, but this is going to get worse before it gets better, because now they're calling it a state of emergency. Those are the worst three words these days. Fox News correspondent David Spunt joining us now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. David, thank you. I know it's a busy day for you. Appreciate your uh, coming on with us. Uh, everybody's no trying problem. to figure it out right now what the calendar is going to be like uh, in the coming months with uh, all these different uh, potential court dates for former President Donald Trump. And, of course, he has some other plans uh, around that time, too. So do they... Is there some coordination of all this? Like, will the judges call one another or put their calendars together? How is this going to work? You know, it's a great question. And not only do does he have to compete with different court appearances in New York, in Florida, in Washington, D.C., and possibly Atlanta, he also 
has to contend with the fact that he has to, uh, f- you know, figure out how to attend court appearances or, or deal with court appearances, even if he's not physically there, and deal with the campaign trail. He has his campaign calendar. We have the court calendar. You know, just before I came on the air with you, uh, about literally four minutes ago, not even five minutes ago, the judge in the D.C. case, uh, which he is accused of trying to overturn the 2020 election, uh, just ruled that there's going to be a hearing on Friday uh, in three days in Washington, D.C. Now, Donald Trump does not have to be at the hearing, but it's uh, special counsel Jack Smith's team and Donald Trump's attorneys to go over a protective order, a proposed protective order. Now, this is not a gag order, which would completely stop him from talking about the case, but he put out a, a statement on Truth Social over the weekend uh, that says, if you come after me, I'm going to go after you. Uh, his legal team says that he was talking about his political opponent, special counsel Smith's team, uh, saw it as a veiled threat possibly to witnesses in the case. So mm-hmm. they're going to hash this out on Friday. So essentially, in, in answer to your question, uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of coordination that has to be done. But no, I don't think that the judges, I think we can say the judges do not coordinate with each other because they're mm-hmm. in different jurisdictions. Some are state courts, some are federal, and it's all different cases, all different charges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Washington D.C., what what are you hearing about? Do they still want a venue change, and what are you hearing about the possibility of that? Yeah, so Donald Trump's team definitely is going to push for a venue change, and the reason so is because they believe they cannot get a fair trial in Washington D.C. based on the population in Washington D.C. The fact that the courthouse is just literally, and I'm not exaggerating, across the street from the U.S. Capitol, where you know, we saw the tragedy and what happened on January 6, 2021, even though Trump was not charged with what happened on January 6, 2021. The special counsel mentioned that in his statement and in his indictment. Um, so they want the trial to be, for instance, possibly in like West Virginia, which is just a couple of hours away from Washington, D.C. I don't expect that's going to happen. That would be the judge. Tanya Chutkin uh, would have to agree to that. Um, you know, legal experts, and I'm not a lawyer, full disclosure, but many legal experts I've heard on both sides of the political persuasion also agree that it's not likely to happen, but still Trump's team has to ask for it to happen. So they will. Right. They have not yet, but we're expecting them to do that. Now, I think there was a story uh, yesterday about security going up around the Fulton County Courthouse in Atlanta. Any idea when that's going to, you know, when that indictment is going to come down? So it appears that something's going to be happening soon, and we know this because unlike Jack Smith, um, you know, who kept things pretty close to the vest over the past few years here, uh, I mean, he's only been on the case since last November, but we know that there's a grand jury that's been investigating the former president for a while. While Jack Smith kept things close to the vest, Fonnie Willis, who's the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, where Atlanta is, she has been essentially telegraphing Um, what she wants to do. She said, we're ready at any time. We're ready to go. She told uh, judges to clear their calendars for the first few weeks of August. Uh, We know that there's a security posture. The local sheriff down there held a news conference and said they're ready. Um, You know, so it's definitely been a different posture down there. So we expect, and and the former president himself says that he expects an indictment soon. And, And just to be clear, that would be uh, an indictment on state charges, nothing to do with the Department of Justice in Washington mm-hmm. or, or President Biden's DOJ. That would be state charges based on the phone call 
where Trump is recorded on a phone mm-hmm. call after the election with Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state said, I need you know, to find I need you to find eleven thousand seven hundred eighty votes. Uh, and what you know, what uh, critics say was a pressure uh, pressure campaign. So, yeah, nothing yet, but very yeah. likely. And there are preparations made. And, and essentially, she's been telegraphing that. All right. Three down. At least one more to go. David Spun over at Fox News Channel. Always uh, great to hear from you. Always appreciate your time. Thank you so much today. My pleasure. Take care. It's 441 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Uh, 210-599-5555. So we got all that going on. We were talking about uh, the Gold Star uh, parents who testified before Congress uh, yesterday. State of emergency for illegal immigrants in homeless shelters. And so much more in the JR poll. And we got Jason here at 210 599 5555. Jason, good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. So, <clears throat> with the five star um, deal and the mother and the son in the hospital and Joe Biden showing up, um, it's, it's one thing to be a liar, but it's one thing, it's another thing to have everyone around you supporting you in your lies. And um, there was a time in my past where I had to lie. Um, And one of the things that I had to realize is that I was, when confronted, I was very defensive. I would mumble, I would stutter, and I would not know what to say. And by the grace of God, I I fixed that part of my life. Um, But it seems clear that with Joe Biden showing up in that hospital room, it, uh, man, fighting back the tears um, for this family. But it's it's just, I don't want to say I feel shame, but it's it's such a disgrace that... um, that these two people, the mother and son, had to go through this, and it's our own president that uh, is putting them through this. And um, <clears throat> we all know that Joe Biden has a history of being a habitual liar. And uh, at his age, <clears throat> I mean, you just look back, and the and the the high point for me was when he had to drop out of the race. Uh, for presidency in the eighties because he lied, he's plagiarized. Um, and it just seems like it all came to a head in, in this hospital room. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I just, I don't know where we're headed. The future seems bleak. Um, and I don't know what it's going to take to turn this around. That also seems bleak, um, what the fix is going to be, who's going to stand mm-hmm. up, how are we going to fix this? Mm-hmm. And Trump, I would have to say, is our saving grace, and look what they're doing to him. They know what he brings to the table, and and hence the attack that he's under. But but anyway, I, that, that's all I got to say. Um, 
I just thank you for letting me share that. No, thank you for saying it, Jason. I'm, I'm glad that things are better for you and um, that you were able to resolve what you were going through. And I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I can't. I don't know what. Uh, thank you for the call, Jason. I, I don't know what. I don't know what Joe Biden or his people um, talked about on the way over to the hospital or before that visit to the hospital because do they not know that we think they uh, got those those guys killed over there? Do they not know that we think that that was a botched withdrawal? I, I mean, I know what they put out about it. I know what they say publicly about it and what Millie says and what uh, the Secretary of Defense uh, says, but, but I mean... They know what they know how that's falling on our ears, right? They know that's not polling well, right? They they, they know that stuff, right? So so you're going over there, uh, you're going to have people that are maimed and injured from that terrible, no good, didn't have a plan, fiasco, and maybe parents or family members of these soldiers. Do you not say we got to let's think about what we're going to say, let's think about how we're going to say it, let's. I'm not even asking now. I'm not even asking for like better, better presidenting. <laughs> I'm just talking about like, do you not think about the situation you're about to walk into? It sounds like you didn't. It sounds like they didn't. It sounds like this was so unimportant to them that they were not prepared for it. And when someone is not prepared for you, that is an act of utter disrespect. I don't care if it's a business meeting. I don't care if it's a sales pitch. I don't care if it's a conference with your professor. I don't care what it is. When you're not prepared, if the other person's not prepared, it is simply an act of utter disrespect. It's like we can just fake our way through this. We can just bullshit our way through this. Uh, they'll be so they'll be so impressed that I'm here. I'm the president. I can just you know I can just show up and shake his fingertips, and they'll, they'll take pictures, and they'll never forget this moment. Is that really what they think? I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering. Because, again, I, I get what they've tried to spin about Kabul airport and the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and they must know that uh, a fairly large plurality or majority of people don't believe it and don't accept it. So you're going in there, these people are probably not going to be too happy to see you. You know, you're not, this is probably like, you know, LBJ seeing Vietnam, uh, you know, veterans. I'm not going to be too happy to see you, but... Like I said, everybody we've had before Joe Biden had some idea how to do this. And he doesn't at all and doesn't seem to be trying. I think the thing where he starts talking about his son is like a, is like filler material. Like you you uh, you come up with some sort of, <laughs> you know, you your brain is spinning and you're like, uh, what can I say? Oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll roll this out. He, it must be because he uses it all the time. And again, I'm not I'm not saying I'm good at this or I'd be great at it. I wouldn't be. I'd be terrible at it. But I'm not the president. I'm not seeking to be. One thing I do know, I think I can say this. When you are, whether it's a wake, a funeral, a friend that's lost one of their children, whatever it is, when you're control, when you're trying to console someone, you don't tell them, I know exactly how you feel. That's like not what they need to hear. You don't compete with them. You don't say, well, you think you're sad. I, you know what happened to me? I mean, just no. These are pretty obvious things. And like, and like Jason said, um, it could be a sign of somebody who 
has been BSing for so long that he doesn't even he, he's not even sure what the truth is about all this anymore. Except I think he I think they do know, you know I think they do know. I, I like Jason's theory, but I, I I think I think they know it was a total fiasco. It was one of the worst episodes in American military history. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna go down with and probably eclipse things like the Bay of Pigs, but it it has never been owned. No one has lost their job. No one has fallen on their sword. No one has said, "I take responsibility." It's on me. Even Bay of Pigs had that. Uh, you can join the show right now. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. The governor had a ceremonial signing. Uh, of a uh, bill that he had already signed uh, previously in his office, uh, the Save Women's Sports Act. Uh, this was yesterday in Denton. And they had Riley Gaines and Paula Scanlon there, who were both uh, collegiate swimmers that encountered the Leah Thomas uh, phenomenon. Riley competed against Leah Thomas, and Scanlon was on the team uh, with Leah Thomas and had to shower and change in the locker room with a guy uh, claiming to be a woman. Both of them have testified before Congress, so both of them were there uh, with the governor while he was signing this thing. And the protesters got on these two hard outside the venue. This is what it sounded like in Denton yesterday. This is in Texas now. Riley Gaines says she was spat upon and struck by the protesters. It's nice. Um, I guess I just, uh, I, I have one question. Who has panicked these people? And, and I don't know that they're all trans people. I don't assume, the media assumes that if you're out there carrying a sign, you're trans. Who's panicked them that protecting women and women's sports constitutes an attack on them? You know, they're carrying signs like, you're trying to kill us. They want us dead. That's, that's illogical. That's, that's stupid. That's insane. That's not true. That's not what this is about. But... Did you ever stop to think, this is not self-activated or self-actuated. People don't, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs, and they're, they're hurling gobs of phlegm at people they don't know. I mean, think about what we are doing. I don't mean you and I. Think about what we're doing to activate and um, panic and, uh, you know, create hysteria, just unleash this instead of debate instead of argument instead of reason i think you're wrong this is what we should do instead that's what i take away from this and you know i'm i'm now old enough to have seen women demanding that other women have a chance to play sports we have come all the way to the point where now mobs of women are demanding that we erase women and women's sports. I don't feel like I've lived that long, but that's quite a...
It's quite a turnaround. So do you think Whataburger has gone downhill since the out-of-state ownership? Is that your is that your thought about Whataburger? I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people say that. Oh, it's not good anymore. It's not as good as it used to be. It's changed. Uh, I see a lot of stuff like on uh, you know reviews like Yelp and stuff like that where people are like, oh, I used to love this. I used to always get this was my favorite uh, sandwich, my favorite go-to, and now it's not as good as it used to be. Has do you think do you think Whataburger is not what it used to be since they sold out to that company out of what was it Chicago or something? I think today is the anniversary of the founding of Whataburger in 1950 in Corpus. So 73 years ago, not as old as Biden, <laughs> but what is, um, has it gone downhill? I, I don't, I only have my 29 years of history with it and I would say no. I don't notice that, but in in fairness, I don't eat it a lot. Uh, probably people that have it more regularly could speak to this better than I could. I would like to have it more, but Fat Jack Fat can't eat like that too often, so I gotta just do it like once every once in a while. And what I usually get is the patty melt, but occasionally I'll you know do a bacon cheeseburger, double cheeseburger. Jalapeno burger, but yeah, I, I, to me, it's still good. I don't. It's never been the best thing in the world, but it's. I've always thought it was pretty, pretty good and and a good value. And I, I yeah, I don't, I don't notice the difference. Do you? Two ten, five nine nine, fifty five, fifty five. A lot of people uh, really seem to be convinced that's that uh, when this company out of Chicago bought it or bought the majority of it, uh, and that was, I think, about. Three years ago, does that sound right? Three or four years ago? They cut corners or they changed something. I just didn't I didn't happen to notice that, but I'm interested to know what you think. 210 599 5555. I do think that with a lot of chain restaurants, the the locations are not consistent. Like some are better than others. And that's 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 one of the great challenges in in the restaurant business. If you have multiple locations, uh, people want the food to be the same. If they get the same thing every time they go, they want it to be the same in every part of town. And that is, that's elusive. That's hard to do. I mean, you, you can talk about any chain that way, and that's a, that's a problem. But no, I, I haven't noticed it, but I want to know what you think. 210 599 73 years ago uh, today, Whataburger started. Uh, in Corpus, they're doing a lot of celebration stuff uh, today. It's called Whataburger Day, and um, I guess there's some giveaways and some other things. I, 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 don't, I haven't been there today, so I don't know, but I guess there's some special stuff going on. So we can talk about that, uh, as well as getting your votes in on the JR poll at 210-599-5555. I'm going to go from uh, Whataburger to Chris Christie, but but I'm not, no. No, I'm not going to make a joke. I'm going to make a different joke. <laughs> Go ahead. You can make it. I'm just not going to make it. New York Post reports that former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie uh, made a surprise visit to Ukraine over the weekend, and he had a gift for Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. What do you suppose Chris Christie brought to Ukraine? 
as a gift, he bought he brought framed handwritten lyrics by John Bon Jovi to the Bon Jovi song It's My Life. He brought him a Bon Jovi song. Chris Christie. But I, I honestly that sounds like something from the onion, doesn't it? Really happened apparently. I'm embarrassed to say, and if you've been with me a long time, you remember this. Um, I used to think Chris Christie was a very up-and-coming. I, I, I could see him as president. I liked the way when he was governor of New Jersey. I liked the whole let him have it. He was Trump before Trump. I mean, I, he has become a clown version of himself. I don't know why that happens sometimes, but it's like he's doing a bad Chris Christie impression. Have you noticed that? By the way, what is it about going to Ukraine? It it should be the most dangerous place on earth, and every B-grade celebrity is going there. I feel left out. I feel like I'm the only one I know that hasn't gone there. So on the one hand, we're sending a trillion dollars worth of stuff over there, and it's, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting the, it's the most dangerous place on earth and the people. But on the other hand, every time we turn around, Mike Pence is there, Chris Christie is there, Comedians are going over there. Actors are going over there. Something doesn't add up for me. Something's not right with that. I don't know what it is, but something is wrong with that. 210-599-5555. Whataburger, has it changed? Are you not as happy with it as it used to be? Rhonda is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Rhonda, good afternoon. Hello, hello. Hey, Rhonda. So do you think it changed after the... The Chicago company took over? Yes, I do. I think the service has definitely changed. How so? You would be in line, at at ours anyways, and we're in Uvalde, Texas, um, and you would get your stuff. You wouldn't have to pull up. You know, you'd be in line. You'd get your stuff right away. Now they take your name at the window. Um, Mm. They they put you they move you ahead and let people mm. you know go behind that are behind you, and it's just the service is just not what it was. Um, mm. That's that's all I've seen and the taste basically everything tastes the same to me, but mm. uh, the service the service is not so not so good and in other locations too I've been to other ones yeah. Uh, yeah. Whataburgers and yeah other locations the service is just not. But it used to be. I've had that thing happen where they make you pull ahead. I didn't. I didn't know if that did that start when this other outfit took over. They weren't doing that before. It seems so. It seems like it just started when the other outfit took over. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Rhonda, good to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you for the and call. Rhonda says, "Yeah, it's not as good as it used to be uh, because of the service, because of the way they manage the drive-through." What do you think? Uh, what a burger! Seventy-three years old. Uh, do you think it's changed or gone downhill, or do you think it's gotten better? I don't know. Maybe you think it's gotten better since they got an out-of-town uh, owner. Uh, 210-599-5555. Um, I have not noticed a change in Whataburger over the last four years. It was 2019, I looked it up, that this Chicago investing company took a stake in Whataburger. I, I, have not, I don't think I've noticed a difference. I don't eat there very often, so I'm probably not the best person to ask. I still like Whataburger way more than a lot of the other Johnny-come-lately chains that have come to town that have gotten a lot of hype that I'm not really that impressed by. So I like them, uh, but I'm just asking you, 
Uh, do you think they've changed or gone downhill or whatever since that ownership change four years ago? And Jackie is on KTSA and the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jack. No, I don't think there's any change. And their uh, service has been at my Whataburger has been great. Uh, they may they may make you go forward a little bit, but you know that's probably because you're picking a. Oh, I got to pick a hamburger, but I don't want mustard on it, mm. so it can't be sitting there. They have to make right, right. So uh, you know, uh, but they're always nice, and uh, uh, I've never had anything. Uh, I was out on two eighty one, and they're just always so yeah. So personable and helpful, and you know, I don't see any. I don't see why people are complaining. <laughs> uh, I'm with I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that, Jackie. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Okay. Um, Katie writes to Jack at KTSA dot com. Uh, Whataburger has changed. They reduced the amount of good grease that was immediately noticeable in the sandwiches and fries. They canceled the Monterey Melt which was the best sandwich on the menu, in my opinion. You know, i got to agree with you on that, Katie. I do miss the Monterey Melt. That was my favorite uh, of, of the melts. Uh, now it's just the regular patty melt. That was good. I liked that. She says, the idea that it was bought by a Chicago company just left a bad taste in my mouth. Katie writing to Jack at KTSA.com. What do you think about Whataburger 210-599-5555? Uh, Pat is on the show. Hello, Pat. Hey, Jack, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. So, yes, in my opinion, Whataburger has gone downhill. I think that the quality is really bad, and it doesn't matter which one I've gone to. They've all been the same, so I'm really disappointed. So you used to like it, and now you don't. Okay. I don't, no. I mean, I, I had a big craving for it where I would just have to go. But now it's like, nah, I don't need to go. Okay. All right. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate your checking in on this. Um, I, you know, as far as the like service, I mean, it, you are you are at a you're at a fast food restaurant, right? You know, you're you're not there to get. It's not supposed to be an oh wow, knock me out moment, right? And these are kids; it's their first job and stuff. I, I factoring that in, I don't really. It doesn't the way they manage the drive in. Uh, I mean, the uh, drive through doesn't really doesn't really bother me. Um, I, uh, I know I probably sound like I would be picky or short tempered or whatever, but just with stuff like that, I'm like, I'm at Whataburger, you know, uh, or, you know, you're at McDonald's or you're at what, I mean, you're just like, okay, I'm not, this is not a white t- linen tablecloth, uh, experience. Um, I wonder if people, uh, were so shocked by the out of state ownership thing that that then kind of worked on you like i I know this is going to change it i know this is going to i know they're going to screw it up Uh, did it become a self-fulfilling thing where you because you knew that it happened it was a big story when it happened uh that that changed you know the perception of it or do you really think the food has changed 210-599-5555 um Josh is on the radio on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Josh. Hi, Jack. Hey, uh, I think the French fries have changed a lot. Used to back in the days, uh, you could get a full fry. Now they're just like little pieces, real short little fries. I, I wonder if hmm. maybe 
McDonald's gets like all the good long, fr- and then like McDonald's sends the little pieces at the bottom over to Waterbur- over to Waterburger. You've got a French fry conspiracy story going there. Yeah, McDonald's I is getting the good fries. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know they all yeah. came from the same place. Is it like some central French fry place they all come from? They look to me. They look similar though. They they do yeah. kind of look. Yeah. Taste, I don't think taste yeah. the same, but look the same hey one one okay. uh quick real quick the my favorite was uh a1 thick and hearty has anybody ever has anyone brought that one up no no did they oh, did they was, do that did they do away with that too oh yeah yeah it's been years it's been like yeah. probably six seven years yeah well so, maybe they'll hear you know us maybe do? they'll hear us and they'll bring it back yeah you know what i do i i get, I get a, a plain double uh water burger Plain with cheese only, with uh, grilled onions, bacon, and I put the A1 sauce in my house. There you go. There you go. You're a, you're a <laughs> okay. resourceful guy, Josh. Way to, way to solve the problem. That's, that's American can-do right there. All right, 210-599-5555. So Josh says the fries are not uh, what they used to be. Jason is on the radio. Hi, Jason. Hey, Jack. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I actually listen to you every afternoon on my drive home. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome. So my wife was a huge Whataburger fan for a long time. And after it changed over, she noticed the change in fries. I guess she said that the fryer grease they used was not very good. Uh, I, I didn't really notice that much difference. I kind of thought that it, they did better because they added all these different shake flavors like the banana pudding and the, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the Dr. Pepper shake flavor. Right. So I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, and with the sandwiches, I mean, these things were all limited-time things, right? They were all going to go away eventually, so. Yeah, I mean, they had the patty melt that ran for a while. They might still have that one, but I just always get the triple meat, triple cheese, triple bacon, so. There you go. There you go. And then triple bypass. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm sorry. All right, Jason. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Jason says they got better, in his opinion, uh, after the ownership change. Uh, Michael writes jackatksa.com. I have not seen a change in the quality of the food, but the menu has shrunk, and this might be because of supply issues and or employee shortages. That's a good thought. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe, maybe, maybe the changes are coincidental to the ownership, not the cause. Uh, but... Um, just your thoughts, because I don't have a big enough sample size. I don't eat Whataburger often enough. I really, I don't. I know you're probably thinking, sure, he does. Look at him. No, I really, I really don't. Um, and I never really did. My, my whole battle with weight was not, was really not fast food. It was my own food. But anyway, um, I try to limit the fast food though. And maybe Whataburger for me is maybe, you know, like every couple of months. Um, but you know, tell me what you think. 210. 210- 599-5555, and by the way, they were born on this date in 1950. I'm going to tell you a quick story uh, about Whataburger. Uh, this was many years ago. Um, I told a story on the air about something that had happened at a Whataburger. It might have been on the dish, or it might not have been. And it was not a big deal. Um, and I tried to make it into kind of a funny thing, kind of a like the coffee was lukewarm or something like that. And uh, this is way before the ownership change, so they were they were still based here, and they're corporate people. Apparently, corporate people must have heard me tell the story. And I was on in the morning, uh, and I got off the air. This was a KTSA. I got off the air, and the receptionist at 
the time said, there, you have visitors in the lobby, and I wasn't expecting anybody. And I almost never had any anybody come come to the radio station. And when I did, I would know. I would expect it. So should you have visitors in the lobby? And plural, not, not, not someone is waiting for you. There's a group of people waiting for you. I went out to the lobby. This is a true story. I don't think I was working with you then, Don. Um, there were like four people from Whataburger Corporate in the lobby. But they were not mad. They had these big smiles. They had this big gift basket. And it was, um, hey, we're very sorry that, that you had a bad experience, and we wanted to bring you something, and, you know, here's a gift card, and we hope that you'll come back again. And, and, and it, what, I, hadn't, I hadn't, like, said I'm done with them. They're dead to me. Because, um, you know, I'm Sicilian. I could talk that way. But um, they went out of their way to try to spin it into a positive thing, which they did. I still have the mug they brought me a beautiful ceramic mug, one of those old-time like diner mug things with the logo on it and um, all this other stuff and the gift card. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty smart. And I told that story the next day, which was, of course, the point of them uh, you know, coming out. So I don't know how they're run now, but they were run really intelligently, and I thought that was a really smart thing to do kind of a minor thing that they made sure they got on top of. This is the day in 1974 that Richard Nixon resigned the presidency. He was facing possible impeachment over Watergate. He had um, fought it. He had gone to court. There had been setbacks. He had lost most of his challenges involving things like executive privilege and the White House tapes, the the recordings that he made of meetings. Anyway, um, the story goes that congressional Republicans, the the modern day equivalents of like you know Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, you know, went to the, the then Republican president and said, "You you are not going to win this. You will be impeached. The votes will be there. Re- Republicans as well as Democrats will vote." And he resigned. And he, he had a, a newly appointed vice president, not elected, but appointed, Gerald Ford, because his vice president had resigned the year before. So the country got a new president who had never been elected, either president or vice president. Only time that's happened, Gerald Ford. That happened the next day. Ford took the oath the next day, August 9th, 1974. So that's where we're at. That's how things used to work, just you know, so you know. Um, not how they work now, obviously. Uh, on um, last night's um, Chris Cuomo show on News Nation, he was interviewing uh, Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin, the guy that wears the bandana, and they were talking about Hunter Biden. And um, I thought this was kind of interesting because uh, Chris Cuomo has reinvented himself on News Nation as kind of like, I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I pox on both their houses. You know, when he was on CNN, he was like, he would refer to the Democratic Party as we. He's the son of a, obviously, very famous Democratic uh, politician, the late Mario Cuomo. So now he's on there, and he's interviewing um, Jamie Raskin, and he's trying to do the whole, uh, come on, you guys, come on, you Democrats. Uh, there's something wrong here with the Biden family uh, finances. And um, Jamie Raskin does this deflection thing 
into Hunter Biden's, you know, drug recovery, addiction recovery. Listen to this. This is uh, cut number four. And I'm just saying that right now, your party doesn't seem to be pushing the president to me to answer these questions. Why do they have to be a matter of criminal investigation? Why can't he just be candid about what's true and what's not true, especially if he's got nothing to hide? I, but I feel like President Biden has been very open and candid and honest about Hunter Biden's drug addiction and a lot of the terrible things that he did on laboring under uh, the drug drug addiction. I mean, what family in America has not been touched by alcohol or drug abuse? And we know that people do really deranged things uh, in that situation. I think they've been very honest and open about it. But there's nothing else there. I mean, the Republicans haven't found anything else there. If there were, I'd be very happy to ask questions about it. We haven't found anything. Not a thing. Um, By the way, if we applied Jamie Raskin's logic, could Trump come out and reveal that he's a drug addict? Because drug addicts do crazy, terrible things. They labor under their addiction. They, there's no telling what they'll do. There's no telling what they'll say. There's no telling. You, you can't. It's just, that's just the way it is. Maybe Trump's been on drugs all this time. Maybe we all are. I don't know. Maybe it's in the water. I don't know. And then, then, the, then he, he, he tries to pin him down again. And this time Jamie Raskin says, well, um, Hunter Biden made business deals. I love the way they talk like he's like he's Elon Musk. There's no business. He's not there's no product. He didn't invent anything. He has no employees. There's no business. And he just diverted money and 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 he just he just got some money for members of the Biden family, says Jamie Raskin. He just went out and got some money for the other Bidens. There's nothing wrong with that. Cut number 5. As far as I know, Hunter like, Biden made a bunch of business deals, which is lawful, mm-hmm. which a lot of family mm-hmm. members have done, mm-hmm. Republican, Democrat, you mm-hmm. know, uh, other political mm-hmm. families. They've done the same thing. And he added, you know, the money diverted into different funds. I don't know. There's an allegation of any crime there. But what is the crime that's being asserted? Well, you don't find it curious that multiple members of the Biden family, allegedly, again, because I haven't been able to get you know to the bottom of any of it. Um, received payments from corporations, foreign corporations, when we don't know whether or not they're in any kind of consulting business. Maybe you're aware of ones. The only ones I'm aware of being alleged are ones where Hunter Biden got payments. He was able to insinuate, insinuate himself into a situation where he was getting paid, and then he had the payments directed to different accounts in, in the names right, of different like, who, people, including children or babies. I'm sorry, the issue is not with children getting money. (laughs) That's not the problem. When you meet someone, you know, you sit next to them on an airplane or something, and, hey, what do you do? Um, Oh, I'm I'm in business, I have a business, I'm I'm a businesswoman or whatever. You you might ask or they might tell you, and usually you can understand what the business is. They tell you what they do, and... Occasionally, it will not make sense, or you can't quite understand it, and sometimes people know that, and they'll explain it a little more. What is Hunter Biden's business, right? What, what are we talking about here? The business, we keep throwing that word around, like he's, you know, 
this respectable entrepreneur, the business is bribery. The business is influence selling. The product is his, is his dopey dad. I got to say, though, for all the jokes we make, these people are fleecing us and fleecing us good. We can laugh all we want. We can play the videos of falling up the steps in the Air Force One and all this. Other. These people are making out like bandits. And, um, you know, Jamie Raskin is no dummy. They're spinning this thing as hard as they can. There's not, there's not much to work with. This is a story here that um, I ignored this for a couple of days because it was just so typical and predictable in its trajectory, and it's taken a weird uh, twist. So I'll just tell you really quick. There's a, uh, a singer named Neo. We play one of his songs at Christmas time In our Christmas bump rotation, there's a Neo song. That's the only connection I can think of. But anyway... He was doing a podcast interview, and these days, no matter who you are, <laughs> you have to express your opinions about all these other political topics. So somehow they got on the subject of uh, children being trans and getting mutilating surgery and uh, all this. And he talked about it like the fact that he's a dad and he's just a regular person and that kids are not ready to make decisions like this, and we shouldn't let them make Decisions. It would be like letting kids eat whatever they wanted. Um, this is what he said on the podcast, this, the, the rapper Neo, about uh, letting kids change their sex. Listen to this. If your little boy comes to you and says, Daddy, I want to be a girl, and you just let him rock with that, you just let him. Right. He's five. Right. And where did he get that if from? If you let this five-year-old boy decide to eat candy all day, he's going to do that. Exactly. Like, when, when did it become a good idea to let a five-year-old, let a six-year-old, let a 12-year-old make a life-changing decision for themselves? Right. When did that happen? Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. I, I, I don't get that. And to medicate these young kids that are five, six, growing up and knowing that it, it affects their brain, it affects their organs, it makes them sick, but they're not allowed to do drugs, they're not allowed to do alcohol. Right. We can medicate them. He can't them drive a car yet, but he can decide his sex. Right, oh, right. what sex orientation, and he can cut off his pee-pee, and, and that, to me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Is, I, so I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard a rumor that they, they, they either passed or are trying to pass a law in L.A. that states, if your child comes to you and asks to do some of these things and you say no, they can take your mm. kid for yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. Just passed in California. That does that makes no. So sense. he said all this, and he's absolutely right, and we all know this is true. I think even the people saying the opposite know they're wrong. No, it's not true. It, there was an explosion of outrage, and the what Dave Chappelle calls the alphabet people were, you know, ready to come for Neo. They were saddling up. So his publicist put out a, a, an apology, and I say that because I don't know about you, but I don't really believe most of these celebrity apologies are the, the celebrity's own words. You know, like I don't think that suddenly a, a lineman in the NFL is able to talk like a lawyer or whatever. But okay. So the, the apology said this: After much reflection, I'd like to express my deepest apologies to anyone that I may have hurt. With my comments on parenting and gender, I've always been an advocate for love and inclusivity in the LGBTQI plus community. I understand how my comments could have been interpreted as insensitive and offensive 
Gender identity is nuanced. And I can honestly admit that I plan to better educate myself on the topic so I can approach future conversations with more empathy. At the end of the day, I lead with love and support everyone's freedom of expression and pursuit of happiness. And honestly, I I wasn't going to waste your time or mine with this story because we have been here before. And that's what they put out under his, you know, over rather his signature. Well, then the story took a twist that's a little different. The rapper Neo, he had uh, basically made good sense, said some common sense things about parenting and kids on a podcast interview. And then um, he put out this apology, which, you know, was supposed to be his words, but certainly read like it was written by committee. Uh, You know, usual boilerplate stuff. I should have been more sensitive. I'm going to educate myself. Uh, Love all, believe in all, love and inclusivity, LGBTQI+. Let me put one plus. I think if you'd been sincere, it would have been plus, plus, plus. But that's just me. So I, I saw this yesterday, and I'm like, I, I, why waste our time with this? We've had these stories a million, billion times. Uh, somebody says something that's essentially correct, or certainly at least defensible, and then they cower in front of the, the cancel mob. But then this happened. He comes back out with a like a selfie video, and now he says he doesn't mean and doesn't own the apology cut number seven listen to this what's going on loved ones this is neo all right listen i normally don't give too much of a damn about what y'all think about what i do what y'all have to say about what i say whatever i normally don't care because like i said opinions ain't special everybody got one however this is something i feel very strongly on and i need y'all to hear this from the horse's mouth not the publicist's computer so check this out First and foremost, I do not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. Now, if my opinion offended somebody, yeah, sure, I apologize for you being offended because that wasn't my intention. My intention is never to offend anybody. However, I'm entitled to feel how I feel. I'm absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. I ain't asked nobody to follow me. I ain't asked nobody to agree with me. I was asked a question, and I answered the damn question, okay? I have no beef with the LBGTQIA plus community whatsoever. Um, I, I don't know what to think now. Like, the guy sounds, does he even know where he stands now? I mean, the, the the podcast interview sounded like, okay, I, I know nothing about him, by the way, other than have, having heard some of his music. I never knew any. I didn't even know he was a parent. Um, didn't know how old he was. Didn't know any of that. <clears throat> but the things he said in the interview sounded reasonable to me and sensible to me. And we all know those things are essentially true. Children shouldn't be making these decisions. And we're not bigger, better, smarter, more sophisticated people for letting them do it. And we don't let them do it in other areas, and hopefully we won't start. He's, I guess, saying that the publicist statement was put out without his knowledge or participation. Is that what he's saying? Well, then fire that person. Imagine 
Imagine a statement is put out with your name on it you didn't even know about. You're fired. Can't have that. Doesn't actually say that, though, does he? He just says uh, something about, i I got to speak for myself. And Is he trying to have it both ways? Is Neo, like, sort of playing both sides of the street here? Or Which I think a lot of people probably are doing now. Or is he realizing that, you know what, I'm an R&B artist, my fans, my listeners, people that buy my music are not thinking very much about this stuff, and um, I need to be who I am, and they're, they're happy with me, and they like me, and, and I don't have to worry about this. I would like to think that he's had like a moment of clarity, but it's hard to tell. It, it sounds, and again, I don't know him, but if this was somebody I knew, I would say like, oh, deep, take a deep breath. Where where do you stand? Do you, do you even know where you stand anymore? Uh, did he make it better or did he make it worse? I, I mean, people seem very happy with this, that he stood up and he didn't cave. and um, But it's a very tortured, twisted way to get to where he was in the first place, isn't it? It's like a long journey. Took you back to where you started. Tell me what you think. Um, 210 599 5555 or how it sounded to you. Um, I, I, I want to I play this again. This is a, um, a young man who um, served a Marine who served in uh, Afghanistan and was grievously injured during the August 2021 withdrawal and the uh, bombing at the Kabul airport that killed 13 and left many injured, uh, also killed and injured Afghan uh, civilians. Uh, His name is Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews. He testified uh, earlier this year before Congress about when they were having hearings about the Afghanistan withdrawal. And he did an interview on the Sean Ryan show with uh, where he talked about being in the hospital with his family around him on a day that President and Mrs. Biden came to visit some of the wounded uh, warriors. And those kinds of meetings with presidents in the past have been um, generally pretty private. Um it probably is something that people talk about to family and friends or share with family and friends. It, it usually is not an issue uh, that gets discussed publicly. But Tyler Vargas Andrews has a story to tell. And, and this is how he tells the story of the visit from his commander-in-chief, cut number two. And this dude, like two minutes later, he walks in with him and Jill Biden and their little entourage of people and like photographer and uh, right away, like, remember him coming up to me, um, trying to shake my hand, like, try to shake my right hand. And I look at him, and I'm like, I don't have an arm. And my left arm is in this big-ass cast with this giant orange and foam block around it. I completely immobile. All I can do is move my head. My arm's gone. I'm like, I don't have an arm. And he says, oh, and, like, kind of stands up. And then, like, goes over to reach for my fingers because about an inch of my fingers are showing. And just, like, grabs my fingers. Doesn't say, doesn't greet me or anything. Just, that's what happened. Just grab my fingers. And, uh, 
I was like, okay, that's weird. And, you know, almost immediately starts talking like about how their son served in the military. Doesn't say anything about what happened. Starts talking about how their son served in the military. And uh, my mom is just like, she's furious at this point. And they're like taking pictures and stuff. And uh, she goes, she was like, my mom said this. She was like, I don't give a fuck. Say, I don't care what you guys do. She's like, you better take care of him for the rest of his life. And uh, like she said that. And um, I'm sitting there and he comes over to me and he leans over me. I have a, I have a picture of this to prove it. I'll show you this picture that I have. Um, it's a pretty funny picture. Uh, he leans over me and he's like this close to my face. And he's like, what do you want? I said, what do you want? Yeah, he said, what do you want? I said, what? He said, what What do you want? And I'm just like confused. I'm, I just got blown up. I saw my friends die next to me. And I just want to be myself. And he's like, huh? And my mom's furious. And she's like, he said he just wants to be himself. He just wants to be him. He said he just wants to be me. And he goes, oh, okay. And they just continue to talk about everything but what just happened. And then um, they just ushered him out of the room. He didn't know what to say. They ushered him out of the room, and that was that. What do you want? I, I, I've thought about this, and I, this is the most um, sympathetic interpretation of this m- whole scenario I can give. Did President Biden possibly mean to say, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything you need? Because I could see not only a president visiting a, a, a wounded soldier, but really anybody visiting anybody in the hospital, a very common question asked with sincerity, can I get you anything? Is there anything you need? Is there anything you want? Is there anything we can bring you? Is there anything we can do for you? You're the president of the United States. You really could do anything. I, I guess you could interpret his words that way, but the rest of the story doesn't hold together with that. What do you want? Like, why are you so angry? It's really the question that the president and his team keep asking the rest of us. What do you want? What do you people want? We're the greatest job creators in history. We got the biggest economy since the end of World War II. What do you want? Why aren't you happy? Why don't you love middle class Joe, lunch pail Joe, Scranton Joe? Why? Why are you so frustrated? What are we gonna do for you people? We we vanquished the orange man. You know, saved you from orange Satan Hitler. We've got this. Great, normal, regular, grandpa-like guy. America's back. What do you want? What more do you want, you ingrates? You Trump flag displaying... (laughs) Um, I, I mean, it's a terrible... It's a terrible thing that... 
we finally found a commander-in-chief, we finally found a president who doesn't even know how to just be there in that moment when you really don't have to really say anything. Maybe you could just listen or hug or pray or comfort. There's so many stories where um, people say that they were in a situation like this this young man was in. Sometimes they're gold star mothers. Sometimes they're other veterans. And and even like in in situations where there's been like a a natural disaster or something. And apparently Biden's go-to is to start talking about the loss of his son, Bo. And I'm not, I can't walk in his shoes. I don't know what it's like to have that kind of a loss. I'm sure it's never very far from your mind or very far away from you. But so even allowing for that, is it, does it seem legit that he brings that up, that he defaults to that over and over again? Does that seem okay to you? Does it seem sensible to you? And it all feels like everything about this administration is constantly changing the subject. You t- you talk about Hunter, and they want to change the subject to Trump. Uh, you you talk about Afghanistan, and he wants to change the subject to Bo. It's a shame he only has two sons because he he needs a lot more deflections and distractions and and subject changes. But you work with what you got. Why is it that? people in his party are not dealing with this. I mean, I, I get the, the the idea of party loyalty and party politics is a scoreboard and we're just about winning and he's the guy you got to win with. But um, in the Republican Party, I see a lot of Republicans running against Trump, scolding him, denouncing him, including people that worked for him, including his own vice president. And whatever you think of them, and maybe you think they're all full of it, but th- that seems like a process where people are thinking for themselves and, um, you know, conceding or talking about what they consider faults or failings within their own party. Yeah, well, you know, we're Republicans, but we, we don't like the way he did it or we don't like the way he's acting right now. We're going to say that. Are none of the Democrats troubled or sickened? Do, do none of them? I know there's. I know there's Democrats that served. Are none of them hearing this? These stories, and there's many of them, and thinking this isn't right. We can't have this. We got to do better than this. But see, this is how they ran them in the first place. They held their nose the first time. And that's why they can do it the second time. They didn't really believe in him the first time. He was a shield. He was a he was himself a deflection or a distraction. He was a, a a Trojan horse, if you will. So it isn't that they used to believe in him and now they don't. They never did. And if you know his his entire political story, he's been a laughing stock in his own party for most of his career. But right now they're getting a little use out of him. And they need him for one more election. And um, I don't want to hear any more lectures about 
Republicans closing ranks around Trump or it's a cult. The cult is that no one in that party is saying what we can all hear, what we all know, that this is wrong. Maybe I wouldn't know what to say or maybe I wouldn't be the perfect person in that situation, but this is not good enough. What do you think? 210-599-5555. I just, um, you know, you get into debates with people, you get into arguments or you know, just back and forth with people you know that are politically the opposite of you. It's uh, it's fine. Do whatever you want to do it, but don't ever take a lecture. Don't ever take a lecture from anybody about, well, why won't you people uh, confront Trump? And why won't you own up to what? He... I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Um, it's, <laughs> I voted for him uh, twice. Nothing he's done. Nothing he's alleged to have done is as sickening as that uh, as that story we just played. It's just uh, and and so many. Uh, and and I I um again I I said this at the beginning of the show. I am really bad at empathy and comfort. I wish I was better. I'm not bragging, <laughs> but I mean I'm not. I I don't feel like I say the right things or know how to comfort or bring comfort but i think when you don't have something to say just being with a person just listening to them is comforting and when i've been in the position of grieving and loss um the greatest comfort is to not be alone the greatest comfort is to know that that people will come and sit with you and in, in my uh, culture that I grew up in, people bring casseroles and covered plates and, and hot plates. And not, not because you're hungry. You probably can't even eat. You're so grief-stricken. But so you won't have to cook when you do get hungry. Or you won't have to cook when other people come over. So we bring casseroles and stuff. And, and I mean, we don't have to be eloquent. We don't have to be philosophers we just just to be real just be in the moment um and if people need something from you they'll they'll tell you and you can do it for them this guy doesn't have that and i i don't mean to nitpick but if you're going to retail yourself as somebody who has known grief the man's wife and child were killed 50 years ago in a car accident. His son died of cancer, not, not on the battlefield, although potentially, arguably, from service-related conditions. But, but again, okay, so you've had this, you've, you've, you've been through this, you want us to know, you remind us constantly. Then why are you not stepping up when it comes to these people that were killed in Afghanistan. Why aren't you owning? You of all people, right? And by the way, it's it's already, if you will, that whole thing is already priced in to our politics. The withdrawal from Afghanistan is already 
priced yeah. into the, the, all the people that are going to vote for Biden and all the people that are going to vote for somebody other than Biden. That's already that's already been decided. So owning it, taking responsibility for it, isn't even going to isn't even going to it's it's not even a political thing. Like oh, am I, am I lose the election? No. But you're the one that claims you understand, you've been there, you've been through it, nobody knows like I do. Well, then, how is it that you're so bad at this? I mean, really, really bad at it, like historically bad at it. Um, and I, I think most of us, at some level, have been in both sides of those kinds of things. You've, you've been the grieving and you've been the person visiting or or calling on the person grieving. Just does it does it not seem like there's something really wrong here? I, I've had people say to me, "Well, he just doesn't care." Like that's an explanation. I, I can tell he doesn't care. I'm trying to figure out how you get to that point. I mean, you would care. I would care. I hear this man's story. I don't even know him. And it's moving. And I think of his mother yelling at the president. Imagine where you'd have to be. Imagine the military families we all know. Imagine where you'd have to be that you'd be doing that. Imagine how many of your buttons would have to have been pushed to get to that point. Because these are people that know how to handle themselves. And she's just, her filters are gone. She's had it. That, that tells you something. I'm in a quicksand and I'm starting to sing. I need someone to help me, but I don't know which way to turn. I know I don't have much of a choice. I'll go out of my mind. Or into the night. This was kind of a weird story, I thought. Porsche, the car company is apologizing. They've made a video celebrating the 60 years of their legendary Porsche 911. And the uh, video was all of this uh, edited together footage of the car driving through all these famous places. And um, there's a shot of the car with the uh, Christ the King statue in Rio de Janeiro, famous landmark. Uh, you see it in a lot of photos. and People uh, sometimes take the picture at the moment when it appears that Christ is holding up the moon. You know, that kind of, you've seen it, right? It's a huge statue. I forget how tall it is. It's enormous. So um, that was in the background, but only the plinth. Only the, the, the platform the statue stands on. The statue was gone in the commercial for Porsche. And people said, why would you edit out, just in the background, that statue? The German car company is now calling it a mistake and has reloaded a version of the video that includes the full statue. Uh, We apologize for any offense caused. The original film is online. People immediately figured the company's gone woke. But 
um, they immediately caved when they got pressure and they put the statue back. So are these companies woke and kind of like having it both ways, kind of like we were talking about with Neo? Or is there some way in which this mistake was legit, like, oh, I didn't realize I had airbrushed, digitally removed the statue? And what's funny is, in another day and time, people might have noticed it was missing and not thought any, like it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have implied anything. But now when we see companies tiptoe around what they think is controversial, which, by the way, this, this statue is, is almost, it, it's so prominent, it's so famous, it's such a landmark that it, it isn't just a statue of Christ. It's something that people flock to. I'm sure many people that aren't even Christians have taken pictures of it and pictures with it. And are they, um, so in another day and time, we would have just thought that's weird, period. In this case, people think, aha, woke. And of course, we've seen so many stories like this in recent years. We've gone through the whole happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, that whole routine. Um, My question to you is this. um, When a company like Porsche, well-established, Legendary company, legendary product, the Porsche 911. When when they when they do this and then they immediately cave on it, doesn't that just go to show that they don't really believe anything? There's no there's no there there. What they're doing is they're first making the video without it because the loudest voices in the room are the. Uh, you know, we don't want to be subjected to your religion, people. I don't want to see things I disagree with, people. And then when they get grief from Christians, I guess, oh, well, we'll put it back. So there's no conviction. I would have respected them more if they said, well, we don't want to depict any religious symbolism in our video. I would have disagreed with it. I would have thought it was fussy and unnecessary, but hey, they it's their company, it's their video, at least they owned it. Just, you know, you can't placate, you can't remove enough, resign enough, apologize enough for the wokesters. You can't. It, it, you don't satisfy them when you feed them, you make them hungrier. They'll only want more. Maybe people are starting to figure that out, but right now it looks to me like a lot of prominent people and prominent institutions really have no core. It's not even that they've gone over to the dark side, it's that they're not on any side. They're they're like in permanent cringe mode. We just don't want to be attacked. We just don't want to be hashtagged. It's pathetic. It really is. You're a car company. No one cared. In my whole life, I've looked at a million pictures of cars. No one cares what's in the background. <laughs> no one cares what's behind the car. But they, they, they don't know what to do, right? 
All Remember, we talked about this during Pride Month. All these companies, we better make our logo rainbow-colored. Why? Well, because we'll get in trouble if we don't. And you'll get in trouble if you do. By the way, speaking of cars, I thought this was very interesting. Since we talk a lot about electric cars and the way car companies also seem kind of lost on this issue of EVs. There's a uh, a car blog that I, I read all the time, and um, they were talking about a 1965 Chevy Impala SS396. And they were saying, and I'd heard this before, but I'd forgotten it, 1965 was one of the biggest years that General Motors ever had in its history. They sold over a million Chevy Impalas. Not, I'm not saying over a million cars or over a million Chevys. Over a million of one model in their lineup. This is at a time when they were selling lots of other cars. They were selling Vets and, and uh, you know, Chevelles and, and uh, you know, just everything in their lineup. Camaros. Well, they didn't have the Camaro until 67, I guess. But anyway, um, 1.1 million Impalas that year. And see, that's when American car companies were full of themselves. They built what they knew people wanted. They built the hell out of them. They sold them. They sold them aggressively. Race it on Sunday, sell it on Monday. They um, built them with style and panache. They were bigger than they needed to be. They were wider than they needed to be. They were draped in chrome. They weren't in wind tunnels. They weren't supposed to look good to a wind tunnel. They were supposed to look good to you. You look at one of these cars now, and people can't take their eyes off them. When they when they see one of these cars from that era, the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, I was uh, in traffic today. There was a uh, like a seventy six Oldsmobile ninety eight, spectacular, rolling work of art. looked like looked better than everything around it. There were there were expensive brands and premium brands all around it. It looked better than all of them. And this year, 1965, was also the year that the Mustang was first on sale. So they're selling a million Impalas, sedans, coupes, in that one year alone. This is the company. These are the people. This is the industry that has gone from that kind of, we know what we're doing, to letting politicians who don't even drive cars tell them that they need to switch to all electric vehicles in five years or ten years. Oh, okay. Look at a 65 Impala. You think the guys, and it was guys, (laughs) that designed and built that would have listened to Pete Buttigieg? Jennifer Granholm, or John Kerry, 
The only way they're able to listen to a person like that, a person like that, is if that person came in to buy an Impala. They wouldn't have let them run their company. They wouldn't have cared what anyone thought. They wouldn't have worried that the car is named after an African gazelle. Isn't that cultural appropriation? What the hell do we care? It's interesting. When you see these cars, you realize that they're 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 not just cars now. Now they're like uh, reminders or artifacts of when people knew what they were doing, knew that they knew what they were doing, stayed in their lane, put the government in its place, and people bought them. A million just of one model from one division of General Motors. That's incredible. A while back, when it was first announced that Elon Musk and uh, Mark Zuckerberg were going to do a uh, iron cage wrestling match for charity... So today we asked you, uh, because there's a new development in this, who's your money on in the matchup between Musk and Zuck? And the new development is that Musk says he is having shoulder surgery and he may have to postpone the uh, the match. So we asked you, who's your money on? Um, 90% said Musk, 10% said Zuck. Uh, Musk is older by a lot. He's like my age, close to my age. Uh, he's heavier. Um, I think he might be a little taller, but I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to differ with our audience on this one, Don Cooper, and say, uh, although I'm, I'm, I much, much prefer Elon Musk in, in all the other ways, if they really ever do this, I think Zuckerberg will have the advantage. He's younger. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Musk, Musk uh, when you look at him, I shouldn't say this either, but he, he just looks a little soft, doesn't he? <laughs> a little doughy. And I can say that as somebody that looks doughy. You know, I'm, I'm putting myself in that category. Uh, but, yeah, this is, I think, I think maybe, I think people want Musk to prevail. I would be very happy if he did. But if we're actually putting money, you, when you actually put money down, you know, you've got to be unemotional. You just got to go with the, you know, go with the the indicators. All, all the indicators are that that Zuckerberg would be better at this. Um, and I, I, I'm frankly a little surprised that Musk is even doing this. Like I wouldn't give Zuckerberg the, mm-hmm. the attention. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't lend my. You know, you, you've got way more. You've got like twice or three times the money he has. You're you're making things happen. He just launched Threads, which was a huge failure. And um, I just I wouldn't even get in the same ring mm-hmm. with him, but. But, you, you know, I just had a thought. Imagine, okay, they're in the ring, and Musk all of a sudden does the rope-a-dope. <laughs> mm. Well, um, but in a death cage match, there's not a lot of room. Well, no, you're right about that. You can't float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You know. <laughs> I still want to see it, though. Do you, though? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious. It, it's kind of it's rouse my curiosity. <laughs> Maybe if there's nothing else on, I don't know. I'm not even that curious about it. Here's the story of a guy, uh, Torborn Pedersen is his name. Ten years ago, he began a journey around the world. His goal was to visit every country in the world, but, but wait, without flying. He figured it would take four years. 
He wanted to visit 195 countries using only cars, buses, taxis, trains, boats, and his own feet. And he did it. He made it. It took 10 years. And he uh, did it without ever once flying. And of course, my probably a lot of people would hear this and say, well, well, why? Why would you do that? Uh, he said, by the way, that um, he had read an article about tourism and tourists. He's in the shipping business, as it turns out. And he was trying to figure out what kind of travel record was out there that he could set. So that's how he made this decision. And that was 10 years ago. Started this in October of 2013. I I could imagine now somebody would resolve to travel without flying just by watching TikTok videos. Have you seen what's happening on airplanes? I could could totally resolve to never get on an airplane again. Uh, The way things are now. Anyway, we'll talk about him more tomorrow. And we'll have all the breaking news and a new JR poll. And we'll be live starting at 4 right here.